You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Bow your head and just, just pray along with me in your own heart and give glory and honor to the one Lord who created us, redeemed us, and saved us and drew us up from the pit. Lord Jesus, we give you glory this morning. Lord, we, we proclaim in our own hearts right now with that song just sung, Lord, that all glory, all honor, all power belongs to you and to you alone. Lord, you saw us in our helpless state, Lord, when we were lost and we were dead in trespasses and sins. And Lord, you stepped down from your throne of glory, not because we were worthy, God, but because your love and your grace and mercy you longed to pour out on us. And Lord, we thank you that you redeemed us, not because we were good and valuable in ourselves, but because while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us. We praise you for that this morning. Oh God, as we open your word right now, Lord, Lord, would you make it sweet to us? God, would you make it precious to us? Lord, would all of the competing interests of the week drift away? Lord, would all the things that are on our heart most for today, apart from you and your word, Lord, would those drift away? And Lord, would you stand at the forefront? Would you be glorified? And Lord, as we look into your word today, would we see it as so much more than just useful or helpful, Lord? Would we see it as your word, your word, the very word of God given to us to give us life? Lord, lead us in it, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat this morning. Well, good morning, church. Is my mic ringing really loud? Yeah, okay. I thought so, too. For a minute, I thought I was going deaf. I did have swimmers here this past week, and that's not a pleasant experience. I thought it was coming back, um, but glad that's not happening. Anyway, uh, it is a joy to be able to open God's word with you this morning, church. Uh, for those of you that I don't know, my name is Brett Patterson, and I am the uh, pastor of discipleship here at this church, uh, Harvest Niagara. And I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 119, Psalm 119, you'll find it basically right in the middle of your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible this morning with you, um, go ahead and put your hand up and just keep it up. We've got ushers coming down the aisle right now. Really want you to have a copy of God's word in your hand this morning. What we're doing this morning is, don't worry, we're not going through the whole Psalm, okay? We're, we're gonna pick up certain verses in it and kind of get an overview for this amazing Psalm. So if you don't have a Bible, hand up nice and high. And listen, if you don't have a Bible at home and you get one of these Bibles in your hand today, that is our gift to you. You take it home, you read it, you mark it up, you keep it. It's the best gift you will ever get in your entire life if you read it and allow it to govern your life. And so this morning, Psalm 119, uh, we're going to start into Psalm 119, and we're going to be in Psalm 119 for two weeks. That, uh, I know, just made some of your heart rates jump, thinking, oh no, we're here for at least half of it today. That's a lot of verses. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just an overview this morning, okay? Just an overview this morning. And really the goal of this morning's message and next week's message is to increase your appetite and your hunger and my hunger for God's word. Listen, normally we come to church to get fed, right? This morning you're not getting fed. This morning we're holding out a lot of food in front of you and saying we hope you leave hungry, 
hungrier than you've ever been. We hope you walk out of here this morning with an insatiable appetite to get into God's word and devour it for your own life. Listen, when we come into Psalm 119, I hope we come in as so much more than just spectators who see a lot of things at a distance passing by very quickly. I hope that we come in as participants who get involved in this Psalm and allow this Psalm to get right into our lives this morning. If I were to ask you this question, what's your first impression of Psalm 119? And we can, we can do this, we can be honest, right? Um, if I were to ask you your first impression of Psalm 119, how many of us would say it's long? Really, really long, okay? Okay, a lot of us, okay? You can put your hand up for this. It's helpful. Um, how many would say it's about God's word? Okay, it's, it's, it's all about God's word. Um, how many would say one of my favorite verses is in that psalm? Maybe it's, you know, your word, O Lord, is a, a light onto my feet and a lamp onto my path. Or is it, Lord, open my eyes to see great and wonderful things in your word. There's so many amazing verses in this one super long psalm, okay? Um, how many of us would say, we wouldn't say this, okay, but how many of us would say, it's the worst day of my Bible reading plan? It's just like, man, pause that one until a snowy day in February where I can sit by a fire and actually hunker down and read this gigantic thing, okay? Hopefully none of us would say that. Leviticus, okay, well, that's more than a day, I think, but... Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know how to recover from that right now. So, so we're, we're just not even gonna try, all right? Okay, you got me, okay? So Psalm 119, here's the heart behind this morning's message, next week's message, and Lord willing, another message at some undetermined point in the future, um, that we would gain God's heart for this incredible, incredible psalm that he has given to us. That we would not only gain his heart for this psalm, but that we would gain his heart for his word. A lot of us, probably think of God's word as useful. Who would say God's word is useful? It's useful. Of course it's useful. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's, it's helpful, right? God's word is helpful. Is it helpful? Yes, it's helpful. But it's more than that. God's word is wise. It directs us. It guides us. Yes, is that true? Absolutely. But it's more than that. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, as we enter into this word, my, my longing for each of us, my longing for myself, is that God's word would become my delight. That God's word would be so much my delight that I would say with the psalmist, God, your word is my life. It's everything to me. It's what gives me life. It's what sustains me. It's what keeps me going. It's what leads me through the path of this dark world. That's really where we're going this morning. About this psalm, uh, Charles Spurgeon said that the more that one studies it, the fresher it becomes. Isn't that sweet? Maybe you've been through Psalm 119 a few times. Maybe you've been through it many times. And maybe you've driven down to Florida several times. And maybe even up till this point, your time in, in Psalm 119 has kind of been like a trip to Florida. You know a few spots along the way, but you really don't know all of the details and all of the amazing things that are on the way. As we dig into this psalm, I, I pray that it becomes so much more than something that we just glance as we pass by it quickly. Augustine, one of the great Christian thinkers of the early church, um, great pastor, he wrote a commentary on the entire book of Psalms, writing on the entire book of Psalms. He stopped at Psalm 119 and he skipped over it and he continued through the Psalms. And when he was asked by some of his friends, why haven't you written a commentary on Psalm 119? He said, because 
it seems that with Psalm 119, it always exceeds the powers of my intent thought and the utmost grasp of my faculties. So, so Augustine eventually did write a commentary on Psalm 119. Here's the beautiful thing about Augustine's life. Though Psalm 119, the depth of the psalm, exceeded his power to think it through, he lived it every single day. Brothers and sisters, that's the goal this morning. I, I long for us not, I long for me and you, not to just get Psalm 119 to understand what it says, to maybe memorize a few verses, I long for each of us to live Psalm 119 every single day, the way that the psalmist experienced it and lived it. And so this morning, what we're gonna do, we're gonna do something a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally, we'll work through a passage of scripture verse by verse. This morning, we're gonna take a bit of a topical overview of Psalm 119. We're gonna give you some stats, some details first about the psalm so that we know what we're getting into. Then, we're going to try to answer one question this morning. How can I come to have a deeper delight in God's word? How can I grow in an insatiable appetite and hunger for God's word? Do you hunger for God's word right now? I hunger for God's word, but not nearly as much as I want to. I want to be more hungry for God's word. I was, you know, thinking about this this week a little bit, and we just came back from a vacation, and uh, while we're on vacation, has anyone ever seen one of those big green egg slow cooker type barbecue type smoker type whatever those things are. Anybody ever seen one of those? Okay, some of you. Okay, if you know anything about them, you might know that they make the most delicious ribs and brisket in the world, okay? Maybe minus Texas, but amazing. And uh, we cooked some ribs on this thing and they're so good. And, and, and this past week, I was, I was actually gonna put a picture up on the screen for you this morning and then I thought, no, that might get them hungry for the wrong things. So, <laughs> so I didn't do that. Um, but these ribs, okay, they, they took four hours to cook, and they just kind of smoked along at a slow pace, delicious. So I found myself this week daydreaming, to be honest, to be honest daydreaming about ribs on a big green egg, okay? <laughs> I have an insatiable appetite for ribs. If you walked up to me and you said, hey, listen, I've got some ribs this morning, would you just take a break and eat them right now? Well, I probably wouldn't do that, but I'd dig into them right after the service, okay? And I'd think about them the whole service. I have an insatiable appetite for something like that, but do I, do you have an insatiable appetite for God's word? What do you hunger for in your life right now? What do you crave most? Maybe you crave me time. Maybe you crave comfort. Maybe you crave entertainment. Maybe you crave a vacation. It's just been a long stretch and I'm coming into summer and haven't had a vacation. I crave, I long for a vacation. But do you long, do you long not only for God's word, but to have God's word pierce your heart to lead you to the paths of life every single day. I'm praying that's where the Lord leads each one of us this morning. As we dig into Psalm 119, let's just do a little bit of an overview right here, and I'm gonna just mention this right now so I don't forget. Okay, there's gonna be a lot of verses on the screen this morning. Okay, a lot of verses. Just write the reference down, otherwise you're gonna miss them. So just write the reference down as you go if you're writing things down. Here's a little overview of Psalm 119 right here. First of all, we already said that it's the longest, longest Psalm, longest chapter in the entire Bible. It's known as the Everest of the Psalms, okay? It just, we're not gonna climb the whole thing, we're just gonna stare, stand at the bottom and stare at the peak today, that's all, okay? Um, the author of this psalm, it's, it's unknown, it's, it's not signed. Uh, maybe David, some have said Ezra, we really don't know. Not sure that that's super important to us this morning. 
Uh, This psalm, it's written as an acrostic using the Hebrew alphabet as its structural guide, which doesn't translate well into English at all. Um, And that's interesting, but not helpful. So that's enough about that, okay? (laughs) This psalm is uh, 22 stanzas, 176 verses, and 169 of those verses mention or make reference to the word of God. Eight different Hebrew words are used to speak of the various aspects of God's word in this psalm, such as two different Hebrew words for God's word, uh, one for law, one for statutes, one for commandment, one for rules, one for testimony, one for precepts, one for promises. The terms, they have slightly different shades of meaning, but they're basically synonymous for each other. Okay, so you're going to read about God's word, God's rules, God's testimony, God's laws, God's precepts. It's all referring to the word of God slightly with a different hue in each word. But really, really this psalm is a proclamation. It's really a proclamation about how valuable and life-changing the Bible really is. That's what it's all about. That's the heart of the psalm. Now, it's a proclamation. Get this, get this. It's a proclamation that's not directed to us. It's a proclamation directed to God himself. Here's the beautiful thing about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a conversation. It's a conversation between the psalmist and the living God. As often as you see God's word mentioned in the psalm, David Pallison points out that you see mentioned four times to one references to I, you. Here's the cool thing about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is actually the longest prayer of worship in the entire Bible. It's a prayer. It's a prayer being prayed to the Lord, revolving around the Lord's word and all the benefits for the psalmist's life and for our life. And if we could just taste that, if we could just get that, that, you know, Psalm 119 is something that you can just pick up. You can just crack your Bible. And when you don't know what to pray, you can just begin to pray Psalm 119 to the Lord. I think that'd be a tremendous blessing in our lives. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week, Lord willing. But listen, All of this so far is, it's info, it's info. And and none of it, except for maybe the last thing, is really life-changing. Knowing that Psalm 119 is an alphabetical acrostic might be neat if you're into that sort of thing, but it's not gonna change your life in any way. But listen, there's one thing in this Psalm, one thing that if we get it, if we glimpse it, if we taste it, even a little bit, it will change our lives radically, in the most awesome ways. It's, it's a truth that needs to be learned, not on just a head level, it's a truth that can only be learned on a heart level, and it's this truth, God's word must be my delight. I must come to a place where I not only dutifully open scripture, is it important as a Christian to read your Bible every single day? Is that important? Yes, yes, we don't grow without it. We don't, we're not nourished without it, okay? Is it a duty to a certain degree for us to read our Bible every day and study our Bible every day? Yes. Is it a discipline? Yes. But listen, unless God's word becomes more than a duty and a discipline, it will never be truly life-changing. It must become our delight. It must become our joy. It must become our lifeline that we use to cling to the living God. And so the the heart this morning is that each one of us would come to delight in the word of God more and more and more. And how is that even possible? This morning we want to unpack just a few things here. And before we do that, I just want to show you 
how much, just give you a quick glimpse of how much the psalmist delights in God's word. How much the psalmist delights in God's word. I want you to notice verse 167. It'll be up on the screen right here. Verse 167. 11 times the psalmist speaks directly about loving God's word. And he says this, my soul keeps your testimony, testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Okay, if there's, if there's not an understatement in Psalm 119, there is, there's a lot of them. This is definitely an understatement, okay? He's not overstating the fact that he loves God's testimonies exceedingly. Exceedingly, it's weak language for what he's trying to convey. You almost get this idea as you go into Psalm 119 that the psalmist can't get the words to say what he really wants to say about God's word. There's just not human words to proclaim how awesome and glorious and satisfying God's word is. And so it's like he's coming up with all of these different things and he's like, that's not quite it. That's not quite it. That's not quite it. Hopefully if I write 176 of them, they'll finally get it. It's it's almost kind of like that. So the psalmist explains that he loves God's word exceedingly. He, He mentions that 11 times throughout the psalm, but honestly it's there in every single line. 10 times the psalmist says directly, I delight in your word. Here's a few of them up on the screen right now. I delight in your word. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Where do we get counsel from? God's word. It's our delight. It's our counselors. Maybe you've been seeing counselors all over the place to try and get help with something that you're wrestling through right now. But have you been seeing a counselor who's going to lead you to the ultimate counselor, the one who's going to lead you to God's word, who's going to lead you to the counsel that comes from the living God? God's word is my delight. His, His words, his rules, his testimonies are my counselors. Verse 47, for I find delight in your commandments, which I love. He just tacks that on at the end, which I love. In in case you haven't caught it yet, I really love God's word, the psalmist is saying. Verse 92, I love this one. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Brothers and sisters, there it is right there. If If you're walking through something deep and something heavy right now, if God's word is not your delight, if God's word is just maybe helpful, useful, that sort of thing to you, but it's not your delight, man, you're going to struggle through that affliction. You may even perish in that affliction. God's word is your rock. It's your delight in times of affliction. Find delight in the living God through his word. And if you don't know where to start with that, just open up Psalm 119 today when you get home. And just maybe start in the the first passage, maybe start in the middle somewhere. And just, you know, start in maybe verse 40 and just begin to pray God's word back to him. And ask him to make his word your delight. Make it your rock for your life. Listen, all of this is here, but not only does the psalmist delight in God's word, but God's word is his life. It is his life. Over and over again, he says, Lord, give me life according to your word. God, according to your word, Lord, keep your promise towards me and give me life. God's word is our life. I want you to notice something this morning. I want you to notice this. That's an overview But I want you to notice this right at the beginning, verses one through three. We're not gonna unpack these verses, I just want you to note them as you look at them. Amazing blessing is promised to to those who delight in God's word. That's how the psalm starts. Verse one, blessed are those whose way is blameless. Don't, Don't miss that, it's very, very, very similar to how Psalm one starts, which speaks about being blessed by the Lord. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. 
Wow. Who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. Notice this, notice this. Blessing is promised to the faithful in verse one. You can just make a little note of that. You could circle that verse if you want. If you write in your Bible, you could circle these verses that come up this morning. Blessing is promised. Basically, verses one through three really explain where this psalm is going. The rest of the psalm is gonna unpack the blessings that come from God's word and delighting in God's word. Verses one through three make that clear to us. Well, you might be wondering, what blessings is this talking about? Is it talking primarily about financial blessings? Is it talking primarily about the blessings of life in this world? Here's a few blessings specifically that, that the psalmist has in light, right, has in view right at the beginning of this psalm. The blessing of wisdom. This psalm is loaded, just loaded with wisdom for us. Now wisdom is different than knowledge. We get that, right? We've heard sermons on that before. Knowledge is knowing something, wisdom is knowing it and living it, okay? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's not just knowing stuff, but it's actually living it out on a daily basis. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective and then living accordingly. That's wisdom. But wisdom is promised here in this psalm. But also, life is promised in this psalm. The psalmist says continually that God will give life through his word. Nine times he praises or asks God to give life according to his word. So life, and then also joy. There's an incredible joy that comes from God's word when it's applied to our lives, when it's lived out. These are some of the blessings that come from this psalm. There's so many more blessings. We're gonna talk about a few more of those next week, but just to give you a taste of where this psalm is going for us, And listen, all of these blessings and many more, where do they come from? Do they come just as we hold our Bible in our hand? Do do they come as we have our Bible with us? Somehow they just soak into us by osmosis. Is that how it happens? No, of course not. Does it come by simply reading through it one time? No, no, that's a start. Does it come by memorizing? Not entirely, that's a good way to to know God's word and to learn God's word and to learn to love God's word. It comes by delighting in God's word, by allowing it to press into your heart so deep that it becomes your rock, your foundation, your life, your everything. And when you begin to delight in God's word that way, and when I begin to delight in God's word that way, it changes everything. Everything in our life changes because we see things from a completely different perspective. We don't see it through our human eyes anymore. We see it through God's eyes, and that is wisdom being applied to our lives. And we have a joy and a peace that we can walk through any storm, any trial that this world, that this life, that the enemy throws at us. God's word is our rock. It's our foundation. It's our joy. It's our delight. How do we get there? How do we have more of that in our lives? And maybe you're here right now this morning, and you're like, oh, Brad, i got to be honest with you. I, I, I don't delight in God's word. I'm just, I'm not there right now. I, I kind of want to be, but, but I'm not there. Maybe you're asking yourself the question right now, how do I get there? How do I get there? Well, I want to take the rest of the message, just to unpack three simple things. Three, these are starting place stuff, but they're essential for each one of us, okay? Three simple things that will lead us to a deeper delight in God's word. 
okay? Let's, let's just start with that. Okay, first of all, to develop an insatiable appetite for God's word, I must trust its truthfulness entirely. I must trust its truthfulness entirely. 100% all in trust its truthfulness. You can't cast doubt on the word of God continually and yet delight in it. Those two things can't coexist together. They don't mingle well. It's like oil and water. They just don't mix at all. And so listen, the Bible is more than just words about God. Do we get that? Okay, it's, it's way more than just a bunch of different guys sitting down and writing a book saying, well, I think this is what God is like and I think this is what God is like. It's so much more than that. We must get this. The Bible is not words about God. It's the words, the living words of the living God. It is his word. It's what he's spoken to us for our lives to give us life. That's what God's word is. And it is 100% truthful in all of its ways. The psalmist says this over and over again in this psalm. Verse 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Isn't that an awesome promise? That's a promise you can bank your life on right there. Okay, that's not a, that's not a statement of, of possibility. That's a promise, okay? That's not a proverb that it might happen this way, that, that's a promise for your life right there, that the sum of God's word is truth. That means from Genesis to Revelation, it is truth. And every single one of his righteous rules, his spoken words to us, endures for all of eternity. Verse 142, your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. It's true in every part, all of it is true. Verse 151, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Listen, these are not the only statements in this psalm about God's word being true. I, I just picked three, okay, just three to give you a taste for what it's actually saying. Dig in, find them, circle them, but listen, there's so much more than this. God's word is true, but God's word is sure. It's accurate. It is faithful. It is right. Verse 96, the psalmist says this, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Meaning he's seen the failures of this world and he's seen how perfect this world is. It's not perfect at all, he's saying, but your commandment, oh God, it's exceedingly broad. I can't see the end of it. It is so immense. It is so great. And what's included in that that we don't really grasp in the English too well is that it's perfect. I can't see the end of it but it's perfect in all the ways that I have seen and so many more. Wow, praise God for his word. It's perfect in every single way. But not only that, God's word is sure, it's faithful, it's right, it's true. But notice this, God's word is proven. It's proven, it stood the test of time. I want you to think about the Bible, okay? All of God's word, the Bible. I want you to think about what the Bible has endured over the centuries. How many people have set their life out to absolutely destroy and eradicate the word of God off the face of this earth? <laughs> Several different skeptics set out to destroy the Bible. Um, one in particular over in Europe decided that it was gonna be his life aim to absolutely destroy the Bible off the continent, gone 100%, only to find that about 50 years later there was a Bible printing press set up in his home. God has a great sense of irony, doesn't he? 
<laughs> sure, you want to destroy my word? You will be used. Your place of residence will be used to spread my word. Think about all that the Bible's endured. The Bible being banned in so many countries today is spreading like wildfire in the Middle East. The Bible is spreading absolutely like wildfire. It's amazing to hear about old iPhones and old iPods being used to propagate the word of God to, in, to indigenous peoples, to nomadic peoples, to peoples that are very, very hard to be reached. It's amazing to see a video coming out of China where they bring a box of Bibles and they put it down in a room and people just flock in and they're gone and they're taking the Bible and there's not enough Bibles to go around and people are tearing out a single page just so that they can hold a page of the precious word of God in their hands. Man, Lord, give me that hunger for your word. Or do that in me, God. How many Bibles do we have in our homes? Man, we live, we live in a Bible-abundant society today, don't we? I don't know, I just looked this week. I think I've got like 10 different Bibles on my shelf in my office, plus Bibles at home and Bibles I probably don't even know about. Wow, God's been incredibly generous to us. And to those whom much is given, much will be expected. We should cherish God's word with all of our heart. It's proven. Psalm verse 140, I don't think I said this yet. Verse 140, it says, your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. God, it, God, it's been proven. Your word has just been proven over and over and over and over in life, in every single different life. And I love it, God. I love how trustworthy your word is. Amen. Notice this, God's word is enduring. God's word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Verse 89, great verse to circle. It doesn't change. God's word's not gonna change tomorrow. God's not gonna come out with another bestseller tomorrow, something different saying, hey, wait, I wanna add on to the stuff that I already said. No, no, God's word is fixed in the heavens. It doesn't change. And all of God's righteous rules endure forever. Verse 160, they never get old, they never wear out. Isn't that awesome? God's word never wears out. Listen, God's word, it's not like you know, these self-help books that come on the market and become the craze and you gotta get on this and this will really change your life and it's gone like two weeks later. It's not like that. God's word stands the test of time. God's word has satisfied the greatest minds for thousands of years and will continue to do so. Try to plumb the depths of God's word. If Augustine, one of the greatest early church fathers, couldn't plumb the depths of Psalm 119, I know I'm not gonna. Okay, but try, it's great to try because you will be blessed the more you dig in to God's word. And don't forget that Jesus Christ our Lord said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never, what? Pass away. Isn't that awesome? Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never, ever pass away. And Jesus our Lord also prayed. He prayed that the father would sanctify us with the truth. And then he said, your word Oh, God is truth. God's word's truth. It's the truth that sanctifies us, that washes us, that cleanses us. Every single word of God proves true, and his word is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Listen, listen, loved ones. We need to settle our hearts on this. We don't just need to get this in our heads. This is not head knowledge. If, if the truthfulness of the Bible is something that you get in your head, but you've not gotten in your heart, you haven't gotten it yet, 
Your heart needs to be settled on the fact that the Bible is true, absolutely true in every situation. Every situation life can throw at anyone. It is true in every situation for you. It is the best wisdom. It is the best instruction. When God says, don't, he's right. He's not making it up, he's not misguided, it's not, oh, well maybe he's not right for me and he doesn't know the nuance to my situation. If he says don't, he means don't and it's don't, okay, because he's right, because he knows what's going on. Listen, you gotta get this so much more, we gotta get this so much more than just in our heads. I think one of the, the, the worst things in the church in North America is that we understand the truth about God's word, We understand the truths of God's word in our head, but we really have no reality of them in our hearts and lives whatsoever. Or we get them in our head, we get them in our heart, and we live most days as if they don't make a difference. Listen, if what I've said about the Bible is true, which it is, that it is the true word of God, it's all the word of God, that not only should, that must, that will absolutely will make the most amazing difference in our lives every single day. If we really believe it. If we really believe it, it will come out in every single situation that we find ourselves in. When we sit down with someone to try to help them through something, where are we going to go to help them? We're going to go right to God's word because God's word is truth and it's the best instruction for their life. When we encounter difficulty ourselves, where are we going to go? We're going to go right to God's word. When we have seasons of joyfulness, of times of abundant blessing, what are we going to do? We're going to praise the Lord and we're going to thank him and his word is going to be so rich and so sweet to us during those times. Otherwise, we simply get it in our heads. We come into church, we do some religious things, but we leave unchanged. Listen, that's... That's not the reality of this psalm. That's, that cannot, that should not, that can never be the reality of our walk with Jesus Christ. It needs to be so much more than that. This psalm is, it needs to be lived every single day. God's word is true in all of its ways. In every single element, it is true and it can be depended on fully. And if that's true, which it is, then this second point follows that. If God's word is true and can be depended on, then, then we must accept its absolute authority. Point number two, to have an insatiable, to develop an insatiable appetite for God's word, I must accept its absolute authority. Listen, there's a huge difference between believing in the truthfulness of God's word and even getting in your heart to a certain degree that God's word is true There's a huge difference between that and accepting its authority over every single area of your life all the time. I want you to think about what it means to accept the authority of God's word. What does that mean? Just kind of toss that around in your head right now. Because growing up in evangelical culture, we've been taught to accept the authority of God's word, but to a certain degree that's shallow. Because if we accepted the authority of God's word, we would yield to the authority of God's word. When, when we hear God commanding us saying, don't go there, we would not go there. Think about this for a second. Every time that we choose to willingly sin, we reject the authority of God's word over our life. Don't we? Well, there's circumstances. No, no. Every time that I willingly choose to walk into sin, Every time I choose that, I shun God, I put a strong arm up to God and I say, no, your word is not right for me in this, it's not good for me in this, it's not 
accurate for me in this or God, I just don't care in this. I'm doing what I wanna do. We shun and reject the authority of God's word, don't we? What does that do? Every time, every time that we shun and reject the authority of God's word, does that lead us closer to delighting in God's word? Does that lead us to a place of valuing the truthfulness of God's word and having a deeper awe and reverence for God and his word? No, it leads us further and further and further away from those things. Do you see how this, how accepting God's authority, the authority of his word and yielding yourself to it actually fuels and increases your delight, your hunger for God's word? Let me just say this today. If you have no hunger for God's word, if you're a Christian, a believer, I'm speaking to Christians here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you, on a scale of one to 10, you're sitting at like a three on hunger for God's word. Let me just ask the question, could it be because there is unconfessed, unrepented sin in your life that you are unwilling to turn away from? And God will not give you an increased hunger for his word and for him until you willingly humble yourself and stop rejecting the authority of his word and yield to him in it and get low before him and confess your sin and turn from your sin and ask him to change your heart. So if you're sitting saying, you know what, I'm, I, I know I should read my Bible, but I just don't hunger for it. Ask the Lord to search you this week. I'm not pointing out anything in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know in my life that when I have no hunger for God's word, Nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, it's because there's an area of unconfessed sin. There's an area of of darkness in my life that I'm allowing to dwell there or I'm kind of turning a blind eye to. Brothers and sisters, that, that should pierce our hearts. How is it that children in China will walk miles, run miles, and they will literally fight not very Christian, I get it, but they'll literally fight to get a page of God's word because they're that hungry for it. Yet we can just so nonchalantly leave our Bibles on the shelf, pick them up on Sunday morning, walk into church, never read it, never care for it. How is that possible? I don't know. I think it's only possible because of idolatry. Because We have unconfessed, unrepented sin in our lives of one sort or of another. We have prioritized things of this world. We've prioritized our own personal desires for comfort, for entertainment, for you name it, whatever it is, lust, whatever, we've prioritized that above God's word. And because we've done that, we are not hungry for God's word. Oh God, oh God, would you change our hearts, Lord? I want you to notice this as we talk about the authority of God's word. I want you to notice how the psalmist sees this and gets this. He believes in the absolute authority of God's word over every single area of his life. So much so that he says in verse 128, therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Do you hate the false ways in your own life. Do you hate your sin? That's that's what he's saying. He's saying, I hate the false ways in the world. I hate the false ways in other people. I don't hate the people, but I hate the false ways. And I hate the false ways in me. 
I hate my sin. I grieve over it. Why, God? Because every single one of your precepts are right. God, they're accurate. They're exactly what I need for my life. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying that God's law, God's rules, what God commands is good. It's upright. It's righteous. And it's more than that in just a moral sense. He's saying that, God, God, your rules are so good for me. God, everything that you say and command is what's best for me right now, right where I am this moment. Can you say that today? Can I say that today? Can we say that what God has commanded is what is very best for us? And can we say that in the sense that therefore I yield to it? My heart wants to go in a different direction, but I yield to what you have said, God, because it is what's best for me. I I feel that maybe this would be better for me, but God, I yield to you in this. Listen, would you agree that every single thing that God commands is what's best for your life right now? Would you believe and agree, and not just agree in saying yes and agreeing in your own heart, but but check your life on it. Check your life this past week. Check your life this coming week. Remember, we just said that every time that we choose to sin willingly against the Lord, we are rejecting his authority. So check your life. Would you agree that all of God's commands are given to maximize your joy and delight in him? That's why he gives it to us. God sees from his perspective. He sees all of life, not just the little fleeting moments that we see. He sees all of it. And as he looks down and sees all of it, he knows precisely what is very best to increase our joy and our delight in him and to use us for his glory. He knows that and he sees that. Listen, God's word is authoritative over all of our lives, over every part of our lives. Listen, this this doctrine right here is under attack today massively, isn't it? The truthfulness of God's word is under attack in the world, isn't it? University, the news, the whatever. It's just constantly God's word is being discredited but the authority of God's word, I think it's most under attack in the church today, more than the world. The world's already said God's word has no authority. They've already, that that ship has sailed a long time ago, but it's the church that's attacking God's word today. How sad is that? Praise God that, that here we hold to the authority of God's word. God, please pray, pray for this church, pray for the leaders, pray for the elders, pray for our pastor, that God would always cause us to hold to the authority of his word above everything else, that we would never drift from that, that we would never ever soften on that. Only God can keep us there. Listen, if you don't believe that the authority of God's word is under attack in the church today, just listen what some pastors are saying up by Toronto today. They're teaching on passages like, 2 Timothy 3.16, and they're interpreting it to say that it's only useful for us, it's only helpful for us, that it's really not fully the inspired word of God. Garbage, that's heresy. Is that gonna lead God's people to a deeper delight in God's word? No, they're gonna look at God's word as a little bit of a helpful manual that maybe you read sometime and you put on the shelf most of the time. That is not what the word of God is. This is under attack all over the place today. That's not new. Thomas Jefferson, one of the late American presidents, he did this, he, he made the Jefferson Bible. Okay, you've probably heard of that before. He took the gospels and he cut out every single miracle, didn't believe in miracles. So he just cut those out and then glued it all back together. Cut out every miracle, cut out some of the parts that he didn't like and put it all back together. And guess how it ends? 
It's pretty incredible, actually. The, the Gospels in the Jefferson Bible, after he put it all back together, it's incredibly hopeful. Jesus dies and he's buried. And that's it. According to my Bible, if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, we have no hope. Can, can we, can anyone willingly choose to cut out certain sections or verses from the Bible? Does any man have that authority? No, absolutely not. Thomas Jefferson may have been a good president. I'm not discrediting him there. But when it comes to the Bible, he's missing it. Okay? But listen, this is not only happening in distant American his history, it's happening in the church, it's happening in Christian lives today. So many Christians today don't read the Bible with a highlighter in their hand, they read it with a Sharpie marker. Don't like that one, don't like that one. Ugh, that one doesn't line up well with my life, cross it out. Highlight it in black so I can't read it and see it anymore. Listen, that doesn't change the truthfulness or the authority of God's word. If, if you reject God's word, it doesn't change whether it's authoritative over your life. Do you understand that? Oh, I don't like um, Jesus' commands uh, about marriage. I don't, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. So I'm just going to ignore that. That does not change the fact that it is authoritative and that that command does have dominion over your life. I, I don't really like what the Bible has to say about money. So I'm just not going to listen to that. doesn't change the fact that it's authoritative. It is the word of God whether we like it or not, but oh Lord, would you lead us to love it? Lord, would you lead us to a place to say with the psalmist, God, all of your rules are right and I love them exceedingly. Listen, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. The Bible is either authoritative or it has no authority. You can't have it both ways. It's not authoritative in some places and not in others. It is either authoritative and has full authority or it has no authority. Either it is the word of God or it isn't the word of God. And if this is not the word of God, then all of this, we might as well just quit. It's, just pack it in, it's done, okay? Because if this isn't the word of God, we have nothing. But it is the word of God, and because it is the word of God, we have everything, don't we? Think about how awesome this is. Just grab your Bible right now for a moment. As we get to the end of this message, just, just pick up your Bible. We're one more point to go, but it's, it's gonna be quick. Just pick up your Bible right now in your own hands. Just think about how precious this book. Hold it up in front of you. Just, just everybody, hold, hold up your Bibles right in front of you. That's an awesome, that's an awesome sight from up here. I wish you could all see that. Just think about how precious it is to be holding a full copy of the unperverted, unchanged word of God in your hands right now. Doesn't that just bring joy to your soul right now? God, why have you been so good to me? God, why would you put me in a land where I can have the whole Bible, every bit of it, in my hands, in my language? Do you know that just over 200 years ago, maybe 300 years ago, Keep holding your Bibles up. Don't get lazy now, okay? <laughs> Do you know that just, just over th maybe 300 years ago, that, that people in Britain died, were burned at the stake, just to have a copy of the Lord's Prayer in English? And they were willing to do it because God's Word was that precious. You just think about how precious God's Word is. I hope this is creating a longing in your heart right now. Now I want you to look down once more. 
Look down right, once more right now. And even grieve, and even in your own heart, even repent right now. If you've taken God's word for granted, if you haven't viewed it as precious, if you haven't counted it as a joy, and just, just even just read a verse or two right now to yourself. And even just in your own heart right now, just pray, God, forgive me. God, change me. God, help me. Make your word so precious to me again. God, if there's any sin, unconfessed sin in my life, God, you know what it is. Turn me away from it. Stop me. God, keep me. Keep me from looking at worthless things, Lord. Lord, keep my way. Make my way pure according to your word. God, turn my heart. God, change my life to long and to love your word more than anything else, oh God. Brothers and sisters, I can't find the words to tell you how precious it is for us to have God's word in your hand. I hope you feel that. I hope you feel the weight of the fact that the God of the universe has chosen to bless you and me so much as to give us a full copy of God's word. As we mentioned earlier, to whom much is given, much will be required. God wants us to love his word. He wants us to use his word. He wants us to pour out our lives, not only studying the word, applying the word, teaching the word, sharing the word, going and making disciples who teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Listen, and when we really get this, when we embrace, as Kevin DeYoung says, when we embrace everything that the Bible says about itself, then and only then will we believe what God, or sorry, will we believe what we should believe about the word of God and feel what we should feel and do what we ought to do. I love that quote. Listen, we not only need to feel what we need to feel about the word of God, we need to do what we need to do about the word of God. Listen, if all that we walk out of here with this morning is, is some feelings, we walked out of here with nothing. We need to walk out of here with faith meeting action this morning. Okay, God's word is a lamp unto my feet. Therefore, what am I gonna do as a result of that? Listen, here it is. Here's the third point this morning. To develop an insatiable appetite for God's word. We've kind of touched on this. I must press into its provision continually. It's not just enough to accept the truthfulness, to accept the authority of God's word. You need to press in to the provision of God's word. There is so much for us here in this book, so many meals, so many resources, so many joys to be had, so much life for each one of us, but we need to press into it every day. How do we do that? We go to God's word. We not only read God's word, but as we go to God's word, we pray with all of our heart that God would help us to apply it to our lives every single day. That's the goal. It's life application. I want to highlight just a few quick things right here that we, we will get from God's word if we press into it. First of all, counsel, the counsel of God's word. God's word is filled with wise counsel for us. There's lots of verses that speak of the counsel of the Lord. We've already mentioned some in this message already. The counsel, the insight, and the understanding that comes from God's word. Press into that. I'm in a difficult situation, I don't know what to do. Instead of picking up my phone and calling a friend and asking for their worldly advice, I'm gonna to go to God's word first. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask God to lead me. I'm gonna 
seek to go back to maybe the notes that I took on a sermon that I heard a year ago where it explained how to walk through a difficult trial like this one or something that I learned in my small group. That's where I'm gonna go first. Press into the counsel, the insight of God's word. But also, also this, think about the comfort of God's word. Allow the comfort of God's word to hold you. Whenever you find a promise in God's word, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? You believe it. You you write it down somewhere where it won't be forgotten and you go back to that over and over and over again. How many of us have a favorite promise from God's word right now that we could just, in any situation, about 10 of us, okay, that's great. That's a good application point for church this week, okay? Find one promise. You shouldn't have trouble, okay? Um, But how many of us have a promise that we just, we love and we go back to over and over again? Okay, you weren't lying when it was just 10. All right, that really is, I guess, the application point, okay. Um, One of my favorite promises is Romans 8.32. Awesome promise. Wouldn't trade that promise for anything this world has to offer. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, that's God the Father, not sparing Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with, uh, with him give us all things? <laughs> How awesome is that? Think about that. God the Father who didn't spare his own son Jesus but gave him up for our sins, okay, to suffer in our place. How will God, if he will give up his own precious son that is so precious to him, not also give us all things with Jesus? How awesome is that? Would, would, would you trade your house, your car, your cottage for that? I, I would, I don't know who said no, but I would, I would trade my house, my car, it's only a Hyundai, but I would definitely trade it, okay, for that, for sure, definitely, because God is saying to us, if I don't spare my own son, Jesus, who is so precious, who is the son of God, who is fully God, if I would allow him to be nailed to the cross for your sins, what won't I give you, church? That's awesome. What do you do with that? You press into that. Oh God, that's gonna get me through today. That's gonna get me through this week. You press in to the word of God and you allow it to be pressed into you. But also think about the protection that we're given from God's word. If you're you're not sure about that, check out verse nine in this Psalm. God's word protects us. If you're not sure about that, just go to Ephesians chapter six and check out what the sword of the spirit does. After all, it is a sword, isn't it? And swords are pretty dangerous. Praise the Lord for that, that we have the sword of the spirit in our hand to guard us and protect us. Listen, think about the help that comes from God's word. Think about the life that God gives us through his word. We're gonna dig into so much more of this next week. But listen, church, this morning, this morning, I hope, I hope that you're gonna be walking out of here not full this morning, but I hope you're walking out of here hungry to go home and to get into God's word. And maybe you're even gonna open up to Psalm 119 Maybe you're going to start reading with fresh eyes. I know our small groups are working through Psalm 119 this summer, and I'm praying that the more time that we spend there in Psalm 119, the fresher and fresher and fresher it will become to us, and that God's word will become a burning passion within us, that we will say with Jeremiah, as he said in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, your words were found to me, and I ate them, and they became the joy and delight of my heart, O Lord God of hosts. I am called by your name. Oh Lord, would you do that in our lives? Trust its truthfulness, accept its authority, press into its provision, and stand back and watch what God will do in your life. It'll be amazing. Trust him for it. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for your word that you have given to us. God, we thank you is not even enough, Lord. It it's, falls so short. But God, from, from the bottom of our heart, Lord, thank you that you, in your grace, it's just grace, God. It's, it's not anything to do with us, God. It's just grace that you gave us a Bible. And that even today that people came in who are visiting who may not have a Bible at home received a free copy of God's word and can take it with them and have all of your precious promises, all of your truth contained in one place in words that they can read it. Thank you, God, that you have just shown us this grace and this mercy. Oh, God, lead us. God, don't lead us out of here just feeling guilty because we haven't read our Bibles enough lately. God, God, I pray that nobody's walking away with that misapplication. But Lord, make us hungry, God. Make us hungry for your word, Lord, so that we can't stand a day where we haven't eaten our three meals in that day of your word. And even after we have eaten it, God, would you cause us to, when we wake up in the night, to meditate on your word, to think of your word, Lord, would that even become the desire of our heart? Oh God, make us hungry, I pray. Make us hungry for you. Make us hungry for your word. Lord, even do that now as we sing and worship to you. Lead us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.